Hey, Rock Movers. Today's guest is an absolute stupid great guest. Now, I know you're probably thinking, Karen never uses that word. And actually, you're right. In my house, stupid is a curse word. We don't use it. But today's guest flips that word on its head and gives it a whole new meaning. What would you achieve if you weren't afraid of being laughed at? In his new book, Go for Stupid, The Art of Achieving Ridiculous Goals, my new guest, Steve Sims, teaches us how to ignore what everyone else thinks and go for big, stupid, ridiculous goals. He is known as the real-life Wizard of Oz by Forbes and Entrepreneur, Entrepreneur Magazine, and he's a best-selling author of the book, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. He's met Sir Elton John, Elon Musk, sent people down to see the wreck of the Titanic on the seabed. He's closed museums in Florence for a private dinner and then had Andre Bocelli serenade. This man does stupid, ridiculous things, and you're going to learn that the difference between what he does and what you do is that he dares to ask. So jump right in with me into today's episode of The Rock Movers with Steve Sims. All right, Rock Movers, so excited. Steve Sims, the official wizard of Oz. Didn't know this, this thing existed, but you do. You're real life and you are here with us and I'm so blessed. Thank you for showing up today and just helping us understand this amazing world that you are about to introduce us to. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So we talked a little bit before we jumped on, which I love to do, get to know someone a little better because you are a brand new um, introduction for me and I'm excited for what lies ahead in the next few months. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But one of the things that I cannot wait to, to find out is about you and the rocks, because this is my my favorite line here, is what are the rocks in your life, Steve, that you're moving for yourself? Wow. Um, that's a great metaphor. I, I really like it. Um, and I'm probably going to, probably going to answer it with a little story that I learned from my first name drop of the show, Elon Musk. I remember years ago, when people were joking with him and, and actually attacking him for getting mm. into the space industry. And they were saying quite openly, and when I say they, NASA was openly saying, we've got no place in space for amateurs. That was one of our taglines to Elon Musk. And Elon always used to say that they'll always laugh at you before they applaud. And I noticed that the people I surrounded myself were serial failures. But hmm. we actually decided that those failures were education. And I don't trust anyone that hasn't failed. And I've always been a great believer that the failure is not there to define us. It's actually there to refine us. So when you look at the rocks that we're carrying, being the mistakes, the pitfalls, that's the education. That's the growth. That's where the gold is. So, so if true. I'm not actually failing, making mistakes, collecting rocks away with my life. I'm not trying. And if I'm not trying, I'm not happy. 
Yeah. You have such an art of spinning things on its head. <laughs> like just, um, I, I got to tell you, but we'll get into my next question, but um, I have a special needs son. He is on the intellectual chart on the low end. Okay. So um, one of the words that is a curse word in my house is stupid. And so it just, it, it hits home. I'm very protective mama bear. And so books like yours, when I saw the topic, it really was, a, it was a conversation stopper, interrupter. And I was like, what the heck? Like, go for stupid. And then it's the art of, yes, the art of achieving ridiculous goals. And I'm like, okay, now I'm curious. And so to learn more about you, it just, it does make so much sense. And that's why I say you have the art of flipping things on its head because you took a word that in our home is a, a soap word, like you're going to get your mouth washed out with soap kind of thing and turned it into a challenge, a, a like, I'm going to call you out on the, the carpet and what can you do? Like, it's just, a, I love it. It's so beautiful. So tell me, I'm assuming this is going to be the rock that you're moving. So we're just going to assume that and tell me what you mean by stupid. And why did you choose that word for the title and the message that you're sending now? I didn't choose it. Society okay. chose it. <laughs> and the problem is, how many times do you hear so many people say, I'm going to go for the impossible. It's only impossible until it's possible. Impossible means I'm impossible. We all try to cover that word with bullshit. Mm. The, the point is, when you turn around and say, hey, I'm going to go for the you've already acknowledged that it's not going to happen. You just try to pretend it will. But you've given that word value. You've given it power. power. We, we mm. always used to say in our office, it's the Voldemort word. You don't say it. You know, <laughs> you don't acknowledge it. It's not there. But here's something that happened. Mm -hmm. When we say, hey, let's go. And we do this within our coaching clients. We do this within our event management company. We do this within our experiences. We take the request. We take your goal. And then we go, okay, I hear you. I've got it. But how can I make it stupid? Now, here's what happens. When you, if I say to you, hey, you go, girl, you go for the impossible. This is what you do. You grit your teeth and you go, yeah, I'm going to do it, you know, and you, you tense up. Mm -hmm. but if I say to you, hey, do you want to do something stupid? The first thing that happens is exactly what just happened to your face then. <laughs> it sounds you like fun. Doesn't it just? And don't you become a five-year-old? Mm -hmm. Let's do something stupid. And what happens is the endorphins, the different parts of your brains click in and you become an imaginative, creative, disruptive child with that. So don't you want to be that person when you're trying to disrupt your industry, when you're trying to plan a holiday, when you're trying to plan a birthday party? If you can be a creative, disruptive five-year-old, that's where the magic happens. So when we were in the concierge industry, someone would say to us, hey, I want I, I want really good tickets to a rock band. And we'd be like, well, 
that's okay, but how can we make this request stupid? So we would literally put him on stage with the band and he would sing. Or people would say, hey, I want a great dining experience in Florence. Well, okay, I hear you, but how can we make that request stupid? So we take over a museum, set a table up of six and a feet of Michelangelo's David, and for shits and giggles, have Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade them while they're eating their pasta. We take a request, whether it be your life, your relationships, your mentality, your mindset, and we go, okay, I see where you are. I see what you want. And now let's go for stupid. And if you look at everyone that you revere today, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Larry Page, Edison, Henry Ford, you know, Michelle Obama, anyone that you can think of, they had stupid, ridiculous goals and then achieved them. Now, the downside is, in between, you're going to get a lot of hecklers. You're going to get a lot of people giggle at you. But when you go for stupid stuff, you don't hear them. You don't care. They don't come in your head because very, very few five-year-olds ever get put off by someone heckling them because they're in that mode of stupidity and they're going for it. So that's where it came from. So when the book... When I got aggravated enough to write a second book, and this is my second book, I wrote right. a very, very successful book called Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. When this book was coming out and I really wanted to focus people on how they should go for more, how they should position and how they should achieve more, having it called, you know, stupidity on there and go for stupid, it just made sense. The title was already there. I was just looking for a book to stick it on. <laughs> I love that. And I love that both of the books have the common thread of the art of doing something, because that really is who you are and what you do in your industry. You're an artist of people. You're an artist of experiences. Yeah. And you're an artist of that, emotions. Yeah. I would actually say I, I'm, I'm, an, if, if I'm calling in the word, who doesn't want to be called an artist? I don't know if I would. I would, I like to call myself a student. <laughs> I'm a master of nothing, but I'm a student of everything. You know, I want to learn. Mm. I am that five-year-old that can't work out how the remote control works. So he takes it apart and he goes, well, at least I know what it looks like. Can't put it back together again. <laughs> but at least, so I'm always that student. But I like to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. And I would say I have an art for curiosity. Yes. And I want to know how things work. And in things working, I want to know how you work. What do you see of value? What are you, what's holding you back? What's your bottleneck? Why are you, and to use your metaphor, why are you carrying so many rocks, you know, and not benefiting from them? So mm -hmm. for me, I like to, I'm the art of moving the needle. And if it doesn't move the needle, I don't touch it. You know, I'm not here for ego likes and comments on my Facebook postings. They're not going to pay the mortgage. I have the art of moving the needle for me, my clients, my friends, and those within my circle. Mm, so good. So one of the, the questions that I had watching some of your other podcasts, which you have a tremendous podcast. So tell us about that really quick before I go into it. The Art of Achievement. Yep, Steve Sims, The Art of Achieving, uh, um, what is it? Um, God, I, is that madness? Uh, I've actually forgotten the title of my own podcast. 
That's weird as hell. But if you look up uh, Steve D. Sims, you'll find it up there. The Art of Making Things Happen. Oh, thank you. But can you believe I forgot the name of my own podcast? Yes, I can. I just had a blackout moment too. So we're good. Weird. But yeah, I just, I started a podcast. It's got no sponsors. It's got no payment. It's got no adverts because I just wanted to get my friends on a show and have a chit chat with them for 30 minutes. So I use it as a beautiful excuse for me to have interesting conversations with interesting people. And I've had literally rock stars, rocket scientists, billionaires, geniuses, uh, prostitutes, priests, gang members. I just had the um, the uh, most notorious hitman to the mafia on there. And then the following week, I had the head of Virgin Records on there. So I'm always getting really strange, eclectic people on there to have hopefully disruptive conversations. Why is that conversation the disruptive part of it? Why is that so important to you? Because I like to see, and that's why there's such a wide range of people on the show. Right. I want to know what triggered you, what aggravated you, because I think we're all pissed off. Everybody that's listening to this show is pissed off. And let me explain why. We're aggravated. If you were sitting there in your perfect house, in your perfect life, in your perfect mental state, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. But you want more. You deserve more. You want to know the trick, tip, and habit that's going to help you create more. Therefore, you're aggravated. So I want to speak to many, many different people going, why did you choose that path? Why did that work for you? What didn't work for you? I, I I go to prison probably three times a year and I interview inmates on there and I go, what caused you to do this? Why did you make those mistakes? And then how do you handle and rectify yourself for knowing that you did that? So I want to find out from people about how they perceive people. When you can actually, they always say, you know, walk a mile in another person's shoes. If you can understand where someone's coming from, you can see clearer on understanding, maybe empathy, maybe relatability, and it actually expands the way you're able to converse with people. Mm, that's so good. And what do you do with those people? Once you have that information, what do you do with all of that? Oh, I believe that we borrow information. I don't believe we ever own it. We borrow mm -hmm. it and it's therefore our duty to pass it on. I think it's a baton that we need to pass on. If we're learning something over here, it's our duty to pass it on over there to help someone else. So when I'm dealing with an inmate in prison and he's looking at how to make his life more positive and in a violent, horrible six by four cell, he can stay positive, then you don't have an excuse for bitching because your Facebook ads aren't working. So it's my <laughs> duty to pass on how he stays motivated to help you. And I believe... By going to different people in different sand pits, yeah. you get a different perspective, but you also get a cool uncle. Now, I'll explain that. Do, do you, you, you told me you had one child. Do you have other children? Um, my husband and I have five. So, yes. You have five children. You know that the, the art of communicating with your children is challenging at best. At best. How many times have you tried teaching your children to do something and that stubbornness isn't letting it get in and then all of a sudden they meet a friend of yours who says the exact same thing and all of a sudden they're like oh that makes and you're like 
I've been trying to teach you that for a year, but because the cool uncle said it, you've listened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So I always try and find people that you never would possibly think of listening to that it can now sink in. And oh, so I try to find a whole bunch of cool aunties and uncles that are going to say things to you. You may, I had a phenomenal conversation a while back. Um, I had a, a prostitute on there and she was talking about body language. Now there's a lot of people that straight away go, I don't want to listen to a, a, to a prostitute. You know, that's immoral, blah, blah, blah. But what she was saying was so sharp that one of my listeners was one of the head of a very, very famous jewelry company that ended up retaining her to teach their sales associates body language and eye contact. Wow. You see, sometimes we go to conferences, and I'm sure you've been to conventions before, haven't you? Conventions and conferences. Yes, hundreds of them. Of course. But when you go to a conference full of your industry with speakers from your industry, you'll be gurgitating the same shit that's been going around for 20 years. But when you've got someone stood up there that's from a different industry giving you an unfair advantage, now you're empowered. So that's Mm. what I try to do. I love it. So how did all this come to be? How How did you get to the point where, like in chapter one of your book, you just made the ask? I was aggravated. I was a poor British biker and all of my mates were poor British bikers. And I didn't, this was in the 80s and 90s, so I didn't have Instagram to point out how inadequate my life was. Um, But I had a feeling. See, that's the beautiful thing. We know when it's not right. We don't know what's right, but we know when it's not right because something's fiddling around in our stomach and we get that little butterflies and we're like, something doesn't fit here. I deserve more. I could be more. I could be achieving more. I could be creating more impact. And we know we need to be doing something. We just don't know what it is. And yeah. we're, as entrepreneurs, we're trying to shove that kind of square peg in a round hole. Because let's be blunt, most entrepreneurs spend most of their day feeling as though they don't fit in until the day they realize that they were never built to. Mm. And so for me, I knew something was wrong and I went out to find an answer. And I wanted to have a chat with a successful rich person. And literally, and I did this, go, why are you rich and I'm not? And that's the conversation I wanted to have. Now, <laughs> you've seen me for 10 minutes. You can imagine 245 pound of ugly coming at you going, hey, why are you rich and I'm not? Isn't the smoothest way to get the results you need. So I realized that in order for me to get the question answered, I needed to be in your sandpit. In order to be in your sandpit, I had to be of value. Now, if you wanted to get into a nightclub that you couldn't get into, or you wanted to get a table in a restaurant that was booked out, or if you wanted to get a backstage meet and greet without Elton John, if you wanted that, sure. All I've got to do is that to get this. You see, people knew me for 25 years as the world's um, leading experiential concierge for billionaires. In fact, I've been quoted as the most connected man in the world that you've never heard of. And I've worked with everyone from... Elton John, Elon Musk, Sir Richard Branson to the Vatican, okay? Uh, And I was doing it for 20 plus years. But I've always said it wasn't the business I was in. The business I was in was to get a conversation for two hours with someone that owns something like a country. That's what I wanted to do. 
And I wanted to ask questions like, how do you hire people? How do you handle failure? How do you handle distractions? What happens in a recession? Where's your mindset? How do you look at family? How do you look at opportunities? And I got all of this information. And then, as I say, about seven years ago, you know, I, I wrote a book purely and simply because an article came out. And you may have read it, the article in Forbes. Yes. It was an article that came out. That's the one that quoted me as the real life mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Would you believe that within one day I lost about 40% of my business because I had an eight-page article in, at the time, one of the leading business magazines in the world? You lost business? I lost business. Because they wanted to remain anonymous? Well, most of the people I deal with, pretty much everyone I dealt with, not only were they incredibly wealthy, they were incredibly powerful. For, for it to be realized that their power didn't get them the access that they were talking about made them look less powerful. So I had a lot of people come to me when that article came out saying, look, I love working with you, Steve, but I tell people that it was my connections that pulled it off. I can't have them knowing that it was you. So literally in one day, I lost a lot of business And then about a week later, I was at a party in New York having a chat with a woman and she went, you should write a book on this. And that's when my first book came out. Wow. Okay. Now that's a funny thing, because if you think about it, the week before I was gutted that I had got this incredible media and lost a lot of business. And then a week later, ended up writing a bestseller. So, you know, it was amazing how when one door closes, the other one gets knocked down. Yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking how so much of what you do is such a, a pivot. It's just a an, a spin and this happens and this flips and this happens and this flips. And it's just amazing. I don't, it's, thank you, but it's not. Um, it is. Humans are amazing. We do really stupid shit and it's still amazing. And and you're correct there. But I, I, and it's in, it's in, I hate to say this, it's in my latest book, but you ain't got to buy it because I'm going to tell you the story now. Um, Have you ever gone through a car park or through a dealership and you've seen this car and it's a weird color? It's this Mm. mustardy yellow or this pea green or something like that. And you go, I've never seen that car color before. That's weird. Who'd buy that? When you're driving home from the mall, going back home or with the kids or whatever, what's <laughs> yeah. the only color car you can see on the road? You probably see 10 of them on the way home. That's because that your mind green. has suddenly been opened to that. Mm. Now, when your mind is opened to opportunity, that's all you can see. So when one door shuts, All you can physically see, visually see, is opportunity over here. So I pivot because I've trained myself and I've worked with myself to recognize opportunity. I I basically live in the matrix. I get to see things differently. So while people are are, are, are moaning and bitching because COVID's alive, I'm rejoicing because I've been given more hours in the day because I don't have to travel anywhere. When people are moaning that we can't communicate with anyone, I'm calling them idiots because I can actually communicate with anyone 
because no longer they have an excuse that they're on travel, they're on holiday, they're flying, they're in a meeting. They're all at home. So while people are moaning about one thing, I get to opportunize it from another. Yeah. And that's such a gift that you obviously possess. So let's go back to the rock analogy and tell me, how is it that you can make such huge rock moving moves and asks? Can I quote a story again or are they boring already? I love all of your stories. Uh, okay. so, of so I remember a massive lesson. Um, and again, it was Elon Musk, actually. Um, do you remember when you used to see those rockets of his land on the floating uh, platform in the middle of the ocean and then they would tip over and explode? Do you remember those? Yeah, I've actually watched a video of all of the fails before yeah, I posted the vid that. your video. Yes. Yeah. So there's been these videos of all of these rocks exploding. Now, mm -hmm. I was actually watching that one day and I was actually at one of the centers and it's coming down. The rocket's coming down. Now, bearing in mind, it's come down from out of space. Right. And it's now about to land on a tiny little floating plane. That alone is pretty remarkable that it made it there. It could have missed it by 10 miles, but no, it landed perfectly within that circle, shook a little bit, fell over and exploded. Now, everyone in the back of the room, we did exactly the same thing. We went, oh, we covered our mouth. Everyone in the room lent into the monitor, including Elon, that grabbed the station and lent in. You see, I noticed at that time that in order for you to take a failure, a failure into an education, you've got to lean into it to see where the education is, to see where that gold is. You see, so many things didn't fail, but one thing did. Yeah. So he was successful in 70 other things, apart from one. So most people, most successful people, and this is one of my questions I love asking successful people, is how do you handle failure? How do you define what is a failure? How do you be able to rephrase that failure into a, an education? And that's the thing I like to learn. If we know how to actually perceive something, we can read it because our body and our head and our energy acts on the information as we receive it. If you think getting some strange food is a bad thing, your body and your aura and your energy will respond accordingly. If you think it's really fun and, and interesting to try funny food, you'll enter it into a sense of curiosity and enjoyment. The taste can be exactly the same, but how you receive information is how you respond to it. Uh, that's so good. And it's so, <laughs> it's so true. And what we focus on is what we attract. Yep. And so where, whatever our mind is, if I'm thinking Brussels sprouts is going to be delicious, it's delicious. My husband thinks Brussels sprouts are going to be awful. Um, and He's that's right. his experience. I had a, I had a friend of mine. Um, he died. Um, but it'll never be gone. Sean Stevenson, you may have heard of him. Um, and the guy should have died years ago, you know, as a kid. He was busted up body-wise. He had every kind of disease you could think of. Poor mm -hmm. lad, but he was one of the strongest giants you've ever heard of. 
And he always used to turn around and say, anytime anything happened, he would ask himself, was this done to me or was this done for me? Mm. And when you ask yourself that question, your, your mind on the latter part goes, I don't know, hang on a minute. And then it opens up those neurons again for you to be able to see things as a benefit and not as a, not as a distress. Yeah, so beautiful. So looking forward for you, yep. what's the next stupid thing that you have on your list to do? Um, get you to be stupid. Uh, I'm, I'm generally an aggravated person <laughs> and I'm very annoyed at the way the society handles and interacts with each other. Yeah. Um, and rather than everyone jeering at each other's goals and aspirations, I'd like you to support them. So I would urge the planet to go for stupid. Take your goal that you've got today and make it laughable. If people aren't laughing at your goals and aspirations, you're not thinking big enough. And I want you to dare to do that. You see, here's the funny thing. Everyone that we love and acknowledge and revere is doing something stupid. Yet the entire planet laughs and we react to it. I remember a friend of mine said, and I'm sure these statistics are wrong, but he used to say that 85% of the planet works for 15%. But that 85% are really noisy. So we want to ignore those that either can't afford us or will end up working for us and focus on those people that actually challenge us to do more and be greater. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to look at me and go, well, hang on a minute. If this bricklayer from London can be working with the Vatican, I'm already out of excuses. That's what I want. Wow. So how can people find you, connect with you the best? Where do you live the most? Sure, I'm, I'm easier to get than COVID. Um, <laughs> I'm Steve D. Sims everywhere. D for dashing and one M in Sims. You know, the books, obviously, you know, stevedsims.com, um, goforstupid.com. You can find me at all of these places. I suppose I'm probably more on Instagram, but anywhere that you consume your media, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever, Steve D. Sims, you'll find me there. I love it. And you are coming to the Dallas area in February. I Can't am. Wait for this event. And I know it's kind of a secret thing, but what can you tell me about it? Nothing. But I'll <laughs> tell you about all the other ones. Okay, perfect. We host a two-day event that we say is the greatest mastermind that you know nothing about. And you need to understand a few things. One, we never take more than 40 people into the room. We also double check those people coming into the room. We protect that room. Some of the people that you're going to be sitting next to are people that you would never normally in any other situation ever be able to even get close to, yet they've turned up as attendees. I always believe that my attendees are greater rock stars than my, uh, than my speakers, and I've had rock stars as speakers. The last event I did, I had Candice Nelson, who was the, uh, the founder and disruptor of Sprinkles Cupcakes. I had Barbara Lazaroff, who was uh, Wolfgang Puck's wife and the co-founder of Spargo and the Wolfgang Puck Empire. I had uh, uh, experts in uh, cryptocurrency. I had Olympians. I had um, uh, Mo uh, not MotoGP, um, Le Mans winning racing drivers. I get the most powerful people in the planet to come in, quite simply, 
answer your problems while also building you a group of people around you that are now going to be an increased and stronger network of your family. And I do this with my style of directness, love. I mean it with love, but I'm very direct and maybe a bit, you know, powerful sometimes. But the focus is I want to disrupt you. I want to get you uncomfortable so you can grow. I want you to come in and then be spat out being able to create more impact. I love that. So do you have any just stupid success stories from any of your coaching, speaking, speakeasies, anything that you've, oh, you've heard back that's just been, that's even surprised you? Um, yes, I've had the meekest people in the planet suddenly getting TEDx talks. I've had people that were in one business drop their entire business a month later and go into business with someone else that they met in there because they realized they were in the wrong business and now they're buying a beach house in Malibu. Um, I've had some people that have literally just turned the table because quite simply, they weren't willing to accept what they had created and they mm -hmm. realized that they were playing a game too small. So my, my feedback that I have got has caused me to do this. We've been doing this for four and a half years. It's called the speakeasy because mm -hmm. you know nothing about it. And as you know, you know, people don't even know where it's going to be. They know the city, they know the dates. And in the next That's couple it. of weeks, you'll even know the hotel that we're all staying at. But you won't know the location until a few days before. But that's the power. If mm -hmm. you're that aggravated, you'll take a risk on you. And I'm not known for letting people down. So, yeah, I've got a ton of success stories. And we've been doing them for four and a half years. The last one was in Hollywood. The one before that was in New York. So this is the first time in Dallas that we're really excited. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so glad I got in uh, the information and thank you for the invitation for that. Um, a mutual friend of ours is how I kind of got connected to you. And that's Casey Haston. All right. And, and uh, she was, I was actually on the phone with her when you and I were chatting and she was, uh, she was like, tell him I'm, ticked off that you got into this before I did. So Casey, when you watch this, uh, nana, nana, boo, boo, ha ha on you. So <laughs> that's um, the best one. All right. And Casey, if you, if, if you're really nice, you know, we, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you into this one. Just be we'll nice. let, we'll let you in. <laughs> Steve will let you in. Um, now you've been on Casey's podcast before when she was getting started on the We Are VIP podcast. And she's the reason I got started with podcasting and yeah. she's my absolute best friend and I love her to death. And so I say it with all the love in my heart that uh, I finally got one over on her. So <laughs> it's, it's a nice feeling. No, um, Steve, you are just fabulous. I thank you so much for your time and it's just Perfect. been an honor. I can't wait to know more and share you with my world to just help them reach audacious goals and go for those ridiculous asks and step out and believe themselves and believe others and support others to do the same. Cause I'm with you. We've got to change the world. It's, it needs us. That's beautiful. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Oh my gosh. Wasn't that an amazing episode? Steve Sims has absolutely turned my world on its head and changed how I see everything about the word stupid. Stupid goals, stupid 
asks. Not being afraid to do things that are ridiculous. It's just, I love it. I hope you got so much out of it as well. But that's not it. We didn't mention it in the episode, but I wanted to mention it here. Steve has given you a special gift for the holidays. 90 days free access to his inner circle. Just shoot an email to ask at stevedsims.com and in the subject line, put rock movers. He'll send you a code and then you can get access again to Steve's inner circle at Steve, I'm sorry, at simsdistillery.com. Send an email to ask at Steve D. Sims, rock movers in the subject line, and get connected to this man. You will not regret it. Merry Christmas from me and Steve.